If you enjoy listening to Chorology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create Chorology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep Chorology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making Chorology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 81. Early, early on when I came out, like I didn't understand that it meant being a part of this vibrant community with its own culture, with its own history, with its own ways of connecting to God, with its own theology, with its own, you know what I mean? Like I had no idea. I'm back in the host seat today. Wasn't that a blast last week with Jennifer Knapp taking over? I kind of really want her to do that more often. I haven't told her that. That probably won't actually happen. (laughs) But she's so good. She's such a good interviewer. Today on the podcast, we have Britt Barron, who is a pastor, speaker, wife, dog mom. The dog mom is the most important part, in my opinion. An avid teller of stories about a bigger God, more inclusive church, and a more whole humanity. Uh, You can find her on Sunday mornings preaching at New Abbey Church in Pasadena, California. Uh, And she maintains a very active Instagram presence at Britt Barron. I'm so excited to have Britt on the podcast today. She and her wife, Sammy, were on the podcast back in season one uh, when we were talking about this little thing that they did called Yay Packages, where they sent these welcome packages to people who had just came out. Uh, So cool. That's a super fun episode if you want to hear them together. But ever since then, I've been wanting to get Britt on the podcast to talk about some of the other work that she's been doing because she is doing incredible things. Uh, Before we dive into that, Queerology is going to be back at Wild Goose Festival this summer. If you're interested in coming to Wild Goose, Queerology is going to be on the podcast stage there. For all the information about that, head over to wildgoosefestival.org. Okay, let's go ahead and dive in. Britt, hi. Welcome back. Hi, yes. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. I mean, be here is so relative on a podcast. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be in the headphones. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so so uh, you've already been on the podcast once with your wife um, back in season one. So yes. you've answered this question before, but I will ask it again because sometimes these things change. How do you identify and how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? Yes. Uh, okay. Well, I will say that uh, I'm answering it backwards. I'd say my faith has informed so much of my identity because it was just such a a foundational part of my growing up and my experiencing the world. So it gave me a framework for everything. And even the parts of my identity or the identities that I hold that weren't um, as visible in my faith community, I think were still influenced by my faith. So um identify as queer, um, more specifically, uh, lesbian. I like to say me and my wife put the L in LGBTQ and, uh, I'm a woman of color. I'm black and I'm Mexican, uh, woman tired. Um, that, that's it really. 
Tired, yes. Tired. I feel like that has, it's notable enough in the season of my life to mention on the list of identities. Yeah. Um, that's... Couldn't leave it out, yeah. <laughs> I hear that. Oh, yeah, that's one of those. 2019. So, seriously, though. <laughs> and and yet, like, I, I mean, I wasn't going to actually get into this so later, but Tired, you just signed a book deal. Like, <laughs> yes, that's, yes. That's a remarkable <laughs> thing to do when you're tired. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe it, being a little bit tired is my secret. But yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, so Untitled Book 2020 um, is just capturing a lot of my thoughts these days. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to to share stories that I I wanted to write. I feel like that's so much of being who I am, um, especially coming out of the Christian world, is I'm like, God, what I wish... I always say this all the time. Me and my wife are super active on Instagram, and we're super lovey-dovey on Instagram and in real life. Um, but we're always just sharing stuff. And I just... We always say, like, in 2013, when we were just, like, in the thick of trying to figure out if we were in love or going to go to hell or what was happening, like, I just wish I, I saw, like, lesbian couples who love God and had a regular life and a rescue dog. And you know what I mean? Like, it would just... Um, so I think about that a lot with the book of like, I'm, I want to tell stories that I wish were available to me. Um, that's so cool. That's so cool. And so needed. Like, I, I love that more and more and more of these books are just starting to be published that, that people like us (laughs) literally, no, literally like do this. Like, (laughs) I know. I think about like your book, like this book, like books, you know, and it's just, it's so exciting. And it's like, I'm never worried about the market getting too saturated. I'm like more, 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 more. There's always more room for um, different kinds of stories. So yeah, I'm excited for your book too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, me too. It's it's a big deal. Books (laughs) are a a big deal. deal. Yeah, Yeah. it's so cool. So I was, I was watching, like speaking of stories, I was, I was watching your keynote at the Reformation Project from what was that that was just last year wasn't it yeah just it feels like forever i know right (laughs) yeah i guess it was just a few months ago yeah um but but you were talking about kind of how how you've how you've spent your life having to in one way or another like defend your existence and Mm -hmm. and and you tied that into story threads of, of becoming a mega church pastor and told a story about like being a girl on a sports team and being mm-hmm. excluded from that. And like, I, I'd be curious because it's, it's pride month. Happy June. Yes. Um, this idea of defending existence and pride, I feel like can go hand in hand almost like a pride season brings us to, or more visible. And because of that visibility, there's more opportunity to put it nicely to defend ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I talk about defending my existence as something I, I learned how to do early on. Uh, like you said, the story I told was about, you know, being the only girl on this roller hockey team who said girls, you know, girls weren't allowed on the team. You know, my mom wasn't having it. She got me on the team and, you know, I was so excited. And I remember I couldn't identify that feeling at the time, but it was a hundred percent defending my existence of like being so aware of my, um, girlness, right. At age 10 and being like, I need to kick ass on this team because like I'm a girl and I'm here. 
like I'm not just here to like have fun and I'm not just here having the same experience these boys are having. Like I'm, there's also another layer of me just being here um, and took that with me. Yeah. And then being like a, a, f- a woman of color, mega church pastor. Right. Um, I think there's like six total. Um, and so I made that number up, but I'm sure it's low. Um, and so just, you know, sort of everywhere I was, in the mega church world being like, I'm not having the same ex- experience as these people are having. There's an added layer to me being here. Um, and that was something that made me proud. It's something that made me tired. Um, and something that made me kind of sort of hope for uh, people like me who might come after me that will have to do less of that. Right. Um, Octavia Butler has a beautiful, quote where she talks um about sort of generations and ancestors and and she says our job is to be planting seeds for trees we'll never sit under um which has always struck me and so i think um this pride season and so much of the work that i do that i want to do is acknowledging like i know what it feels like to have to defend my existence in a space while also trying to excel in a space while also trying to be a representative in a space while also whatever 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 what a beautiful time i love pride month and pride month events because they essentially say like we're just gonna be happy that you're here there's no defending there's no justifying there's no you are now our representative there's no you need to work twice as hard to get half as it's just like no we're gonna throw a parade and just be fabulous because we are um and so i think the the future that i hope for right that i think um people like you are working towards that so many people i know are working towards is that is we're gonna celebrate just being um forget all this defending stuff. And, and I know what it's like to be in rooms where you feel like, okay, I'm the only black kid in this class. And they're talking about slavery. Everyone's looking about at me, like, let me, you know, make sure I'm being a whatever, you know, I'm the only woman on this hockey team. I'm the only queer person on this blank. I'm the only whatever, like, we all know what that feels like. Um, And so I think there's moving towards a future where we do a less of that and more like, I'm just here. Um, and that's enough for me to be proud of. That's enough for me. I'm not proving anything. So yeah, I don't even know if that answered your question, but those are, yeah. No, no, I think, I think it does. And in like the, this follow-up question may seem like a reiteration of that question, but I feel like it's different enough that I'm still going to ask it. Um, because, <laughs> because this is a question I want to ask everyone who's on the podcast this month is, is this is simple. Like, what does pride mean to you? Gosh, it has certainly evolved. I think what's, you know, and I'm, and pride I'm taking specifically as like pride month, LGBTQ pride. Um, cause I remember early, early on when I, you know, sort of started to understand more about my sexuality I still had a resistance to like pride um, and the events and the rainbow flag. And like, you know what I mean? Like there was still right. this, oh, totally. like, yeah, like you're totally like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'll make out with girls, but like, I'm not going to wave that flag around, you know, like there's like a 100%. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think about, you know, where I am now is like, you know, we went 
to the the Dodgers Pride Night game the other night, and we're like drinking rainbow beers, and we have rainbow flags, and rainbow shirts, and rainbow like, and and I think about that trajectory for me, and I almost think about it as like just the the peeling back the layers of my own shame, my own internalized homophobia my own sense of like, okay, maybe being gay is okay, but it's certainly not something to be proud of. Um, all the way to like, I have a rainbow tattoo on my arm. Um, and I'm so proud to be a part of this community. And I think that that shedding of those layers, right? And this is sort of tied into what we were talking about before. I feel like when you feel like you don't belong somewhere or who you are isn't enough is when you start defending. Um, also when there's no representation, when you don't understand, when there's not some access, like it's, it's hard to be proud of who you are when you don't understand what that means fully. Right. Like, um, early, early on when I came out, like I didn't understand that it meant being a part of this vibrant community with its own culture, with its own history, with its own ways of connecting to God, with its own theology, with its own, you know what I mean? Like I had no idea. Um, I thought it just meant like there was something weird about me because I wanted to kiss girls. Um, not the beauty of two women loving each other, the the beauty of, of people who hold within them, these multiple gender identities, the beauty of, of, of this, you know, just expansive and loving and wildly, 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 um, open community. And so, um, yeah, I think pride for me has absolutely meant just one by one peeling back those layers of, of shame to find, I mean, one of my favorite groups of people on the planet, right. That I have the the privilege of being a part of. We we touched on this. Like you're kinda of, you're kinda of time being a mega church pastor and, and you're still a pastor now for mm-hmm. New Abbey in, in California, um, which is a church that I haven't visited yet, but everyone I know who has been there has said nothing but good things. <laughs> oh yeah. You gotta come. And I want to so badly. Yeah. I, I'm curious, like you mentioned finding this community, this group of people who you, you listed a bunch of things but but have our own theology mm-hmm. around um, and, and ways of accessing God. And, and I'd be curious about like under <laughs> this, this may be a stretch, but understanding pride theologically. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause my mind always goes there. Cause you know, I was, I was raised with this idea that pride is like almost inherently a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Like pride comes before the fall, like all mm-hmm. these things. So when, so when there was gay pride, which, I mean, it had two strikes against it, gay pride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just like this horrible, horrible thing. Like, how dare you be proud? Mm-hmm. And and it was seen as being, you know, proud of a uh, proud of this quote unquote sinful lifestyle. Like, how do you approach that now? Yeah. So, you know, what's fascinating is we have someone in our church right now who um is leading a small group specifically for this reason to talk Mm. through um, historically how queer folks have developed spirituality and ways of connecting with the divine. And, and it's super wonderful and beautiful. And they dressed up in drag um, to make the announcement about it on Sunday, which was the best part. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Yeah. But I think, 
you know, so so I think this is going to answer your question. But if I get to the end of this rant and it hasn't, um, I don't know what to tell you. But um, one one thing. So uh, at our church, New Abbey, someone the other day was like, oh, you have a gay church. And I was like, no, I don't have a gay church. Um, we have a church in which we are expanding and telling a bigger story of God. Um, that includes queer folks. That includes every human being. And as a result, yeah, about 50% of our community is queer. Um, about 50% of our community is not. And one of my favorite things about our community is um, we haven't just expanded and, and talked theologically about this idea of, of sexuality. And that's just like the one place where the story gets bigger, but um, everything else stays the same. It's we're literally trying to tell a bigger story that includes expanding so many things, um, which I feel like the the queer community has given the church an amazing opportunity to do so. Um, I always say there's there's kinds of two two kinds of affirming churches that I see a lot. Um, there are churches in which um, queer people are uh, welcome and um, accepted and invited, and everything else is kind of the same. Um, about church, and I'm not saying that's bad at all. Um, and then you know, there are churches like like New Abbey that are saying, yes, queer people are welcome and affirmed and accepted, and we're going to see what pulling on some of those threads means for the whole of Scripture, right? Because you look at the whole thing, and, and, and I say this all the time, we say this all the time at our church, it's the story was always meant to get bigger. We've been telling an incredibly small story, and queer people and pride is a part of that, and there are so many other parts of that too. Um, and if we can really start to address power structures and systems, and we can really start to address sort of some of the ways in which we have those in and of our, in ourselves and what sexuality means, not just for queer people, but anyone who grew up in the 90s inside a purity pledge is like fucked up. You know what I yes, mean? It's like that is the truth. everyone's underwater with this thing. So I don't know if I answered your question, but like to to me – pride and and understanding some of this theologically opens the door for so much more growth and evolution in how we see and interpret scripture and how we live out this this way of jesus you're talking about this kind of this metaphor of like pulling on threads and Mm -hmm. i i know a lot of people who have pulled on threads and who have discovered this this wider broader kind of deeper faith you know, other people who've pulled on threads and, it, and they've had this experience of like everything around them just seems to crumble. Mm-hmm. And and like all of a sudden life just kind of goes to shit. Mm-hmm. Those periods of, of deconstruction and, and reconstruction. And, and did you ever go through that kind of a journey? Like what was your journey getting to the point of being able to even pull on some of these threads? Did things fall apart? Yeah, certainly. I think um, things always fall apart. And eventually I just realized maybe things are just fluid (laughs) Um, to stop building up mini temples and they won't fall down. Um, So I was, uh, I became theologically affirming like when I was in college, but I was the kind of affirming person that like, I wouldn't really say it, you know, (laughs) just thought it. Um, 
which is the most unfortunate kind. <laughs> and, That's true. Anyone who's um, listening, that is true. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is literally the most unfortunate kind of for me. The kind that I was, I was literally the person I just send a private text message of like love and acceptance, but publicly would, um, you know, keep my job at my non-affirming Christian college. So, um, yeah, it was just the worst. And and so I think there was. I think being a woman who wanted to speak and preach and pastor already set me up to question a lot of what was happening. Being a person of color, um, I think speeded up that process. And I think there are a, a lot of moments of things falling apart. The first one was when I had people in college telling me that women can be pastors, you know, um, and not feeling wrong. And then like them pointing me to passages that like said that essentially, right. As you know, the framework that I had, I was like, wow, it's in there, you know? Um, and then things certainly fell apart again. Once I started to uh, unpack and open up my own sexuality, um, and be honest in some of those ways, I think then things really fell apart. And and in falling apart again, opened everything up. But that 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 initial process is so painful. I remember like, um, so I had left my job as a megachurch pastor, and before I I started pastoring at New Abbey, there was a period in between where I worked at a college. <laughs> I feel so bad for everyone who interacted me with me in this season of life. Like I was just like the the worst, you know. Like I didn't it. I had no idea like who I was, who God was, what, you know, and I say all the time when people are like, you know, what are you through? How did you find God? I'm like exclusively Hamilton. I don't, the Hamilton soundtrack, like to this day, it will bring me to tears. And I don't know why somehow like resonating with, with the story of like the creation of America, which is funny. Um, but, but just like, you know, like the turmoil and like, and you got to like bounce back and what does this mean? And heartbreak and coming back and like, you know, and, and I remember thinking like, is it, you know, I'd be driving it. The, the college I worked at was an hour away from where I live, which in LA is only like five miles, but it would take me an hour to get there and an hour to get back. And I remember like just asking myself, like, is it weird that I'm worshiping to Hamilton? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it, is it, is God in Hamilton? Like, you know what I mean? And then you just start to to pull on this thread of like, I think God maybe is more in Hamilton than Hillsong um, at this point in my life. And what does that mean? Wait a minute. If God's in Hamilton, then God's in musicals, you know, and then, and then you start to, you try to compartmentalize it again. Right. Of, but then you like you find God in nature and in a and in a you know um a Muslim student who I worked with at college and then I found God in um TED Talks and then you know God is most certainly obviously in Brene Brown and then as you start to ask all these questions you know I think the journey for me was eventually realizing like okay if God's in Hamilton if God's in Brene Brown if God's in my Muslim student, if God's in, you know, all of these things, God must most certainly be in me. Um, and that 
sort of changed everything, right? Um, because now you get to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, Hamilton, dear Evan Hansen, whoever, whatever, like your neighbor, your enemy, your brother, your sister, like these things all have Christ within them. And that, I mean, that opens up so much more just beyond queer theology. It's just the the way we, we live and move in the world should change. Right. Um, but the, those beginning moments of asking those questions are certainly painful. Right. Especially if you grew up and that was your whole life was surrounding those ideas. Right. You know? Totally. Yeah. Then you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and and I, I feel like I get emails all the time from people who I then take months to respond to. So apologies to people who've sent me emails. Yeah. Uh, same. <laughs> but, but I read them um, who are in these places of just beginning, like still being so deeply mm-hmm. even within those communities that, Maybe not always, but maybe they will end up leaving at some point. But right now, they're mm-hmm. they're deep in them. This 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 conversation of of opening up, this conversation of pride, like those things are just kind of like distant things that they're mm-hmm. watching, like or listening yes. to through their yes. headphones. I, I know for me, b- before I came out, watching people celebrate pride, there was always, I mean, it was always complicated because I was still deeply like struggling with internalized homophobia but there were parts of me that would look at that and and say i want to be able to do that but i can't like i can't Mm -hmm. come out it's not safe that introduces a lot of complexity gosh i mean you know and and i think even you're asking this question is a good reality check um because now you know i don't know if you feel like this sometimes i'm like I'm I'm so I'm here, you know, whatever here is, right? Like I'm married and um and I get to pastor this amazing church and and you know, talk about these things and be on podcasts called Queerology, right? right. Which is like <laughs> yeah, like you know, um I would have been so scared of this podcast. <laughs> exactly, like you know, and you know, it's a good reality check to remember like um there are so many people who are just like, you know, sort of uttering those first words. And I think, you know, my, my advice is always, um, I don't know if you get this, but I get, I get a decent amount of messages that ask like, is it okay for me to be gay? Um, am I okay? Am I going to be okay? Um, and my answer is always yes, but it doesn't really matter that I'm saying that. Um, because your youth pastor can just then say no, (laughs) you know, and then someone else can say maybe. And I think the the hardest work we have to do as humans is our own. Um, and I remember thinking, uh, my wife and I called the fog, like when we were in the fog of just like, I don't know if you can resonate, but like in, in the beginning, like I, I truly did not know up from down left from right. Like I, I, everything was, was hazy. I felt like, um, and I was truly grasping at any, anything anyone would give me. And I remember finally realizing and getting to a point of like, I can, and don't get me wrong. Like books are helpful. Podcasts are helpful. These things are helpful. I was like listening to them and reading and doing all these things. Um, 
But at some point, I think we have to remember that Christ is in us. Remember that we carry that divinity and allow ourselves to trust that. Um, when the deepest, deepest, deepest parts of me were like, you're okay. You know, um, I think they were hidden under so many layers of me believing like I could trust a pastor or a book more than like the Christ that was in me telling me I was okay. Um, and I think there's, I'm always like in the business of pointing people back to that. Like, you know, when you hear something, like, even like you said, like seeing people celebrate pride and like wanting that, like there, there was something in you saying like you can have that. Like there's something in you being like that is yours to have too. Like, you know, I remember, you know, seeing, I didn't know any like lesbian couples, but I, you know, I knew um, gay male couples. And I just remember like seeing them and like something in me would be like, oh, you know what I mean? Like there's, and and I've learned to identify that and I've learned to like trust that. And I've learned to realize like, even as a pastor, there's nothing different about me. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm afforded like the time and energy and space to read and have these things and communicate these thoughts and ideas and, and cultivate a conversation in, in people's lives in our community. But I'm not the one with three points in the application. Like I'm the one pointing you back to that quiet thing, whispering like that you're okay, that you're good, that the story starts in Genesis three, not Gen- or Genesis one, not Genesis three. Right. We are good. And, um, I think, you know, it, it breaks my heart because when I feel like I get so many messages, it's, it, it almost always starts with, this is what my pastor said. This is what, you know, my parents said, this is what, and there's just, you know, the biggest part of me that's like, yeah, but like, get deep in there. Like, what do you, what do you know to be true? Like, you're scared to say it. I get it. Um, it makes life complicated. I know. Um, but it's so true. I feel like this transitions beautifully into this conference that you're hosting here at the end of the month. Yes. Called Gloriously Queer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so outlandish. <laughs> Tell me about that. Gloriously Queer. Yes. I love that. I know, right? So, um... So our church, New Abbey, um, we have an events company called Anything But Black and White where we do all kinds of events. And so we wanted to do an event with the Christian Closet. And we wanted to host something for queer Christians. And what's so funny is we didn't have a name for it. We literally, we were like, do we just call it live event 2019? (laughs) Like, you know, when you're just like, so like, I don't know, should we just be super literal? You're just tired. (laughs) Yeah, literally tired 2019. Um, If you identify, please come. And so, so then we had, you know, Candace write something up. We were like, what's the description? We're going back and forth in a group text. And she was like, something, something like, and she just was like, I just want people to know they're like glorious and queer. And we were like, oh, yes, um, because it is such it is such a statement to everything that queer Christians have heard. Um, I don't know a queer Christian that hasn't 
heard that God does not get glory from who they are, that uh, they are not good, that they are not worthy, that it is not, you know, a thing to be proud of, that you you name it, right? And so, um, yeah, I just love that we're just being so outlandish uh, with the title. And so um, we decided to host an event, um, a conference. It's like a Friday night, Saturday thing. And the whole point of it, um, you know, I think about things like um, the Reformation Project and then the work that they do sort of unpacking all of the theology, um, which is just the most important. And, um, you know, we'll do some of that, but we're like, what if we had a place where it's, it's more like we're doing the emotional work. Um, so let's, let's unpack the the things that we need to do. Let's peel back the layers of our shame of our internalized homophobia. And let's get down to the core where we are able to celebrate be glorious, feel glorious, make some queer freaking friends. Like again, be in a space where we don't have to defend our existence. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really fun because it's put on entirely by queer Christians for queer Christians. And, um, it's going to be in the space where we worship on Sundays and have church at new Abbey. It's, um, I'm just really excited about it. I think I, I just, it's, it's the counter narrative to what, Christians here so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so cool so so it's you and your wife Sammy it's uh-huh. Candace from the Christian closet mm-hmm. Kevin Garcia yeah I don't know if you ever heard of heard of Kevin Garcia no, <laughs> yeah who, who is she yeah we were like we were like oh we need someone and we we're like there's literally no one else um <laughs> we've got to get Kevin uh yeah so we're doing um and then we'll have a panel we have some people doing music we're going to have, I mean, another um, therapist from Seattle. I don't know if you've ever heard of Seattle. I is what? coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be such a good time. I, I was, you know, just ranting on Instagram the other day because I got this um, troll message. And what was so funny is um, she was someone I used to go to church with in my previous life. And, um, she said that, you know, for years she's been disappointed and heartbreaking that I've, you know, that I've chosen this lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. And what's so funny is she said, I've felt this for years, but I haven't said anything. But when I saw you were hosting an event called Gloriously Queer, I just couldn't stay silent any longer. And I was like, thank you, lady, for reminding me exactly why we do this. Um, because we hear you all the time. We hear you all the time. Um, and so whatever, instead of being uh, moved by that or giving that too much time and attention, let's just get together to say the opposite. So, um, yeah, we're really excited. We hope it's, it's the first of, of many live events and, uh, yeah. It's so cool. We need more of those things. Yeah. We need so many of them. <laughs> I know. Like, literally, like, the, you know, so many people are just like, how do I make queer Christian friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. By the way, queer Christian dating app, like, would make... Well, it's happening. Do you, do you know about it? No, what? I Have mean... you heard of Believer? No. It's, it's, it's called Believer mm-hmm. with, with, like, the R, kind of like the other apps that just use <laughs> B-E-L-I-V. 
Oh, okay. R E R. I don't like without I don't the um, vowels kind of thing. Yeah, without the yeah. yeah okay. You know the trendy the trendy yeah. thing. No, that I'm the cool so. Kids are doing. Um, I can't even think of the word. Relevant. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> obviously, I'm obviously not. I can't even think of the word. I'm like, Same. what's? How do you say it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a guy in San Francisco um, who's who's working on this app. They launched at uh, QCF this year. Um, that is a, a queer Christian dating app. Wow. Okay. Um, well, that yeah. is an important thing. It's like you have to like set your 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 radius to like a thousand miles, and then yeah, you'll get a yeah, match. Yeah. <laughs> no. The radius is just like United States. You're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you like to add another country? <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Yeah. But yes, it it would be so nice to have to have that community. And it's hard to find. It is. And, you know, I think, I mean, maybe you can resonate sort of being in your position. Um, I feel like we're in similar positions in some ways, right? Um, You're more of a digital pastor. But every time someone messages me, I'm like, I wish you knew blank. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you should. Wow. I just got the same message from, you know, Cindy or like, you know, and it's just I'm excited to sort of have some of these worlds collide. Um because I think what what makes or breaks right so much of our life experience is is the community around us. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah we hope to create some some strong so community. Cool. So, like, what are the what are like the specific details? How can people register? Yes, what okay. do they need to do? Where is it? Like, great. So it's in Pasadena, California. Um, which, if you're not familiar, it's I mean, it's Los Angeles County, but it's about. Um, t- 15 miles east of LA. Um, and so it's Friday night, June 21st to Saturday, June 22nd. Um, and you can register anything but black and white.com. Cool. You can also find the link in my Instagram, in the Christian closets, Instagram, in Candace Ubernaut's Instagram. Um, and yeah, awesome. let us know. And, uh, if you're listening and you really want to come and, uh, money's an issue, send us a message. And if money's not an issue and you want to buy other people's tickets, you can do that too. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a great time. This is so cool. This is so cool. Yeah. Uh, Britt, thank you so much for joining me. Like, yes. this is, I love having conversations with you. <laughs> yes, me too. Um, yeah. And how can people find your work? Uh, my website, BrittBaron.com or on Instagram at BrittBaron. And uh, I still have not figured out how to use Twitter. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's too late, but... it's Twitter's the worst. <laughs> I love it and I hate it. <laughs> I know. I think like the more and more I've like not used it, I'm like, maybe I just never will. Maybe that would be like my thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, catch me on Instagram and I'd love to talk and chat and make some new friends sweet cool well thank you thank you you can get tickets for gloriously queer happening at the end of june over at anything but black and white.com slash gloriously queer keep up with brit over at britbaron.com or on her instagram at britbaron Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Queerology is produced with support of over 230 listeners. To find out how you can help keep Queerology on the air, head over to MatthiasRoberts.com support. 
A really easy way to do that is by leaving a rating and review. Do that right in your podcast app or head to MatthiasRubbers.com slash review. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of what you want to hear on the show or just want to say hi, reach out and I'll eventually get back to you. And until next week, y'all, bye! Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.